As I've traveled the world and had these opportunities to meet and work alongside a lot of very interesting people, the question that I keep getting is, how can I create the life that I want? How can I create the brand, the behaviors, the culture that motivate and drive me? This podcast is dedicated to those questions. We can figure out great ways to move forward in life and create a life worth living, a life with purpose and meaning. My name is David Vanderveen. Welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Hey, this is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I'm Dave Vanderveen. I'm really excited today about um, not only broadcasting this here, but also broadcasting this live on my Facebook page. So we've got two camera angles. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, what I wanted to talk about today was being consistently positive when things fall apart. Um, you know, I, I started kind of thinking about and drafting this, this monologue from uh, an experience I had uh, both personally, literally almost, uh, boy, it's getting close to 90 days ago. And then some experiences I had when I was coming back into Europe um, and I was in Norway with some of our leaders. You know, so um, when I was writing this, I was talking about being in Norway. This is now a couple of weeks ago um, and and being with a team of leaders, a team of our leaders who had had a rough two years. Um, the good news is, is that we still have a team that shows up and wants to wants to really progress and grow. The bad news is, is that it's a smaller team and that, that they really need to rebuild and have been through a lot. Um, one of our leaders has been diagnosed with a chronic disease that's been debilitating. And she has had to really plan her work and rest so that she can still get her work done and has had to work a lot smarter. Um, we were talking about how critical it is when you have situations like this, where you have something that's just constantly on you, that's attacking you, the environment is against you, um, how, how critical it is to keep the energy positive with a team, especially when things fall apart, when the brutal reality uh, isn't what we want to see in here, when things aren't working at all. Uh, there's a really great Jim Collins is one of my favorite business authors. He wrote Good to Great. He wrote um, uh, he wrote he wrote a number of really good books that are, I'm blanking out on right now. Um, his whole point is that uh, great companies prevail over time because of values, not because of a person or because of a product. And that um, while those things can be very helpful, it's the values, the applied values that really make all the difference. And and so. You know, one of the things that he talks about, one of the examples of how uh, not only how great companies have prevailed over time, but how um, how good companies have become great companies. That's where the good to great reference comes in. Uh, he was talking about a guy that he interviewed, um, Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was the highest ranking officer during Vietnam and the Hanoi Hilton, who had to survive. And you know, things were horrible if you were a Vietnamese prisoner of war. There was torture every day. People were dying. Um, and so he asked Jim Stockdale, you know, this is decades later, who survived? What was the type of personality or the mindset that really helped you survive? And Jim Stockdale answered right away. And it really surprised Jim Collins because Jim Stockdale said the people who died the fastest were the optimists. He said the people who said, oh, we're going to get out by Christmas. We're going to get out by, by New Year's. We're going to get out by Easter. Um, they always died. He said, the first fact is you've got to face the brutal reality. You've got to be brutally honest about what's really going on. And, and, and you have to believe in the end of the story. I think this is key. You've got to believe that this, the, this thing that's happening that is so hard, that is so difficult, that is so debilitating will ultimately transform your life, will ultimately make you a better person. And so 
Um, you know, part of this conversation that we were having with the difficulties that people were facing rebuilding post-COVID, some of the, the health issues, et cetera, that were going on, um, brought me to talk about some examples from my own life, how I've managed some really hard times. And, and I thought it might be helpful to other leaders who are navigating a difficult journey right now that, you know, obviously with inflation, post-COVID, cost of debt, making it harder to sell to customers, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of reasons why it's hard. Um, you know, if you just look at uh, private equity right now, growth equity is scarce. Debt is expensive. Everyone's feeling the strain on their budgets. I mean, look at the price of gas, the price of food, the price of things like electricity, and it's not going to get easier. So despite the difficulties, despite the brutal realities we're facing, we need to believe in the end of the story, our vision for where we're going together that binds us to our teams. We need to repeat it often. We need to focus our work towards that end. You know, there isn't room for negative talk if we want to find success. I think that's one of the most important things that we have to remember and repeat. There isn't room for negative talk if we want to find success. We can talk about the brutal reality. We can talk about it objectively, but there isn't room for for you know, applying a negative outcome, applying a negative thought, applying the negative solution. Focus on what you want, focus on what you need, focus on what is going to get you through to the end of the story. We have to own the words we speak to ourselves in our own heads first and out loud with our team second. Words have immense power. What do we want? Speak that into existence. One example I've shared um, was a hospitalization that I had uh, literally within the last 90 days. Um, and, and I want to just talk about this to share the brutal, brutal kind of facts of it, but also how I managed it, because I think those two things are really important. I'd been traveling like crazy. Um, this was, you know, May and June. I had been doing two flights a day, sometimes multiple flights and trains per week, lots of events in hot weather and outdoors that included, you know, of course, some social drinking. Um, and then back to back, it was happening with, I've been running a lot. So I was running on days that were over 90 degrees or over, you know, almost 40 degrees here uh, Celsius in Europe, that all led to chronic dehydration. I knew that I was exhausted and dehydrated, but I didn't realize how badly. On Father's Day, I went for a run in the morning. Uh, so this was back in June. And our, our younger son, Willem, you know, is living between the Netherlands and Paris. And uh, he got up later than I did. And he said, hey, dad, how about we go for oysters on Father's Day, which sounded really good to me. I love small, meaty oysters. It's like one of my favorite things to eat. So we went to a, a local comptoir, a local counter for a little little seafood a couple blocks from our apartment. And I ate literally 24 oysters and I had two glasses of wine, um, mostly mixed with sparkling water. You know, not a big drinking event for me. And that night I didn't feel great. The next day I went to, I flew to meetings in Florida and just felt awful. Um, I knew that I was terribly dehydrated. Obviously the flight didn't help and was able to get into an emergency doctor's uh, office right away via my, uh, my rock star assistant, Christine. And I was able to get some tests done uh, within a day of getting to Florida. You know, my skin looked gray, my lower back and both sides of my spine hurt badly. If I ran or jostled too much, um, I felt like I had a huge gas bubble in my stomach and it was tight and just felt really bloated. The next story, and, and I basically, I was saying to my doctor, man, it really feels like my kidneys, you know, he's like, no, you're, you're not a kidney person. You know, you don't have, a, you don't have any indicators that you'd have kidney problems. He was saying, you know, it's, it's probably your psoas. It's probably, you know, he's probably tight from all the running. But the next morning before 8 a.m., I had a call from my doctor that they, that I was having acute kidney failure and I needed to get to the hospital right away. And I was already checked in. 
My body was so dehydrated that the nurses couldn't find a vein in my arm, even for blood tests or to put in an IV. And they had to use veins in my hand. The pain in my kidneys got worse throughout the day. What I didn't realize was that <laughs> I had dehydrated my kidneys severely and then packed them with uric acid crystals from the combination of so many oysters and a little bit of wine. Uh, the wine limits the enzymes that help the body eliminate uric acid. And my kidney function was so limited that the uric acid crystals pack the kidneys, block them, and then shut them down. You know, let me just put it bluntly. Acute kidney failure isn't a diagnosis you want to hear from a doctor. Um, so over the next 24 hours, I was on constant IVs. Um, so I was just being, you know, my system was being flushed out and rehydrated. I shifted my diet to basically a sober vegetarian and was put on meds to help my body eliminate uric acid. The next day, my numbers were improving and I was released from the hospital. Um, multiple friends and family who are doctors strongly recommend that I adjust my lifestyle, which I have done since. I now barely drink alcohol, I'm just tasting it when it's served socially, but not, I mean, I'm not even finishing drinks mostly now and focusing on hydration instead. And we've got some great products from It Works. Let's put a little plug in for It Works. Um, our, ex, our Hydrate is, is my new best friend. Um, and, uh, and just using regular, you know, regularly drinking water throughout the day, every 20 minutes, just drinking, you know, a few ounces of water makes a huge difference. So your body can actually process it. Um, and my diet has really shifted to a heavy vegetable Mediterranean focus and kind of light meat, but sort of that protein and vegetable kind of combination. It's amazing how that changed it has improved my sleep, my weight, uh, my body shape, my skin, just the overall feeling of well-being. I mean, who would have thunk it, right? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> and, and it's funny because I just, you know, I I love, I love, um, I love having a good time. And, you know, it turns out that that you can do too much. Um, I used to love quoting, you know, Mae West, too much of a good thing is wonderful, or talk about drinking life with two straws, which I've done most of my life. Um, and I fortunately don't have the addictive gene. You know, I have no problem not drinking. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, when I lived in Japan many, many years ago, I smoked briefly, had no problem quitting smoking. Um, I was living in Japan. Everyone was smoking. You were always smoking, whether you're smoking or not. So I decided I might as well, might as well join them. Uh, but then when I got back to the U.S., I had just stopped. And that was, you know, that was 30 years ago. Um, it turns out, though, you can do too much. It turns out that there is too much of a good thing. And in my now in my early 50s, I'm discovering that my body isn't what it used to be. And so while all of this was happening, I didn't post much about the problems or the drama or the pain. Big, big key. My wife and kids were aware. And of course, I let my the people I work with, my upline, my upline, by the way, not people who work for me, I let people that I work with know what was going on. But that was it. Now, here's the key. After I was out of the hospital, I posted some images and a very positive story about how we can how we need to listen to our bodies when we push things too hard and how that helps us make changes in our behaviors so that we can improve our lives. Um, the responses that people sent were incredibly positive and encouraging. A number of friends joined me in stopping drinking for a while and adjusting their habits, even though I never asked for it. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't saying, hey, you should stop drinking too, because I am. None of that. Um, I was just saying, hey, this is really, you know, I got in some trouble. This really helped me. Um, you know, just letting people know. And a lot of people are like, whoa, 
dude, you, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> well, maybe not crazy that, that, but you know, have been kind of indestructible for so many years and, and the embodied solidarity and all that people wanting to join was, was really wonderful and voluntary. I, I never said that working hard, traveling a lot, working on, you know, um, I, I just said that, you know, basically it was all these things, um, made me want to make some adjustments in my life. So there's another podcast that you might find interesting that you could listen to that I did a couple of years ago at the height of my globe trotting. Um, when I've been going around the world 10 to 12 times a year and was away from home more than 10 months a year. And I felt like I was kind of slipping away. Um, I felt like I was falling off the earth. I think is how I put it back then. You know, excess, which by the way is, is celebrating its 20th anniversary uh, in uh, five days, congratulations, excess, um, was in over 50 markets with Amway and I was traveling all the time, supporting product launches, um, planning our in-market events, doing the in-market events and promotions. And it seemed like every day I was going somewhere new. The best part was that everywhere I went, we were usually either doing planning meetings about brand and product strategy, or we were activating those plans, then doing things. People were generally really happy, having a good time. Um, they're happy to see me. They're incredibly supportive. And it was a lot of fun. And so, you know, there was a lot of meals, constant parties, celebrations, dinners, nonstop adventures, doing everything from bungee jumping, skydiving, hang gliding, shark diving, surfing, skiing, snowboarding. You know, for a person like me who loves to keep moving, it fed the best and worst parts of me. There was a point, though, where it started to feel like I was falling off the earth. And it's kind of hard to describe, but the constantly changing environment, country, language, people, culture, food, beliefs about the universe, et cetera, all started to blur who I was. Like, who am I, right? Because every time you re-engage, you connect, you're, you're making these deeply personal relationships with people in all these countries, and all these places, it starts to say, okay, well, if you're this and I'm that, then how are we, you know, how are we the same? How are we different? And you start to pick up different elements of the different places you've been. You should. That's part of travel. It's part of expanding who you are. But it also sometimes forces you to redefine who you are. And that part can get a little confusing. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's something we should all do. Um, but it really started getting me to think about, you know, um, who I was in the context of all this. You know, on one hand, it really helped me see that we're all people. I like to say we're all made out of people. Um, that we all have tremendous amounts of things in common when you peel back the thin veneer of civilization and our skin. But on the other hand, it also makes me feel a bit lost. Like, who am I anymore? Where do I really come from? What really matters beyond business? Um, it just started getting me thinking about a lot bigger things, you know, kind of this, this existential kind of life, this, this existence that, that I was having. Existential philosophy focuses on our existence and seeks to eliminate sort of the metaphysical speculation, ideas about the forces that work beyond things that we can experience physically. Uh, during this time, I felt the truest existential reality that I can ever imagine. You know, it doesn't mean I stopped believing in forces beyond the things I could experience, but um, I really had to just kind of focus on the here and now and be present in this physical moment. And that sort of shifted everything away. Looking at my calendar for more than a few days ahead started to give me deep anxiety. So I would just look at TripIt, an app that I used to see what I was doing. And my 
So it's a travel app that I had and my assistant populated it to tell me where I was going, what I was doing each day. I knew that wherever I was going, whatever I was doing would be positive and that the shared experience would be helpful to me and the people I was with. So I focus on each moment and being present in it rather than worry about the future. You know, um, it, it was funny. You know, we Sometimes we'd go into these events and be tens of thousands of people and uh, you know, we'd have to do photos for a couple hours. And, and some people would say, aren't you tired? Do you want to get a break? Do you want to get away? And I learned from one of our biggest distributors in Japan. Um, he said, this is my job. This is what I do. And, and what he meant was that when you're present and you take that image and that person has that image of that video that they can use and share and spread with their team, that helps them tremendously. And so it's not about you. They don't really need a picture of you. But what it does is it shows the rest of their team. <laughs> Excuse me something so much bigger about who they are, where they can go, what they're doing. And it's not just them. This is why events are so critical. In fact, we have an event in Lille, France coming up in two weekends. And, you know, Mark Pentecost, Kinsey, Kyler, Doug Heffner, her whole team is flying out for it. What's, what strikes me as kind of odd is that not everyone gets that they need to be there if they want to build a big business. If they want to, they want their team to see this as something bigger than themselves. They need to get to Lille. They need to get to this event. They need to expand their mind, expand their horizon. Um, kind of making a segue here, but it's such, it's so important, so critically important. And, and I'm always trying to focus on how do I help other people see that? Um, the point that I'm trying to make on all of this, though, is that I found a way through that time in my life when I felt horribly debilit uh, destabilized. I got things done anyway, and I never let the people I was serving know that what I was going through. That negative energy wouldn't help them. They weren't going to come meet me to hear that story. They had had enough trouble on their own in their own lives. They needed support and belief that they could do it too. And so I focused on how that that struggle made me better. That struggle could help make them better. And I think those stories are some of the most powerful stories that we can tell and share. Obviously, I'm telling these negative stories now um, in order to share that same kind of overcoming theory that overcoming feeling I'm not dead I'm doing better hopefully you're doing better and we can all overcome together part of the reason I wanted to post about the hospital visit until after I was out and talk about the feeling like I was falling off the earth after I found a way to stay connected to it is because I also believe that talking about the problem the challenge after you find a solution is good news it's the gospel that story can maybe help someone going through their own nightmare to realize that there is a path forward and that they can find a way through it despite the darkness. And this leads me back to the heroic team in Norway who were, you know, who were our fastest growing market and can be our fastest growing market again, but are digging out of a harder pandemic than most people in most places. What I had noticed was the team appeared to be stuck in some dark thoughts. Their business had gone backwards. They felt guilty for not having done more. Um, and their leader who felt like she wasn't performing at a higher level due to her illness was explaining her limitations and inadvertently talking about the negative challenge rather than the positive solutions. It's easy for all of us to get mired in the negative. That's the natural response. What takes real effort and pays real dividends is being aware of the negative reaction to a negative event and then refocusing our attention on what we want. The way forward and helping our community and team do the same is, is where, the, where the money is, where the success is, where the joy is in life. Um, that behavior is what attracts great people and keeps the team in growth mode. That behavior is what propels us on a path of progress. That behavior is what separates people from animals. We don't just have to be reactive. We can make choices. 
You know, we have a choice to be aware of our challenges, our natural reactions to them and adjust. One of the great benefits of meditation and devotionals is, is giving us awareness that our reactions to events is not us. We do not have to be slaves to our animal brains, to the monkey brain or the lizard brain that sits at the center of our, of our, of our you know, thinking organ. We have a cerebral cortex. It takes a lot of energy to use it, but it gives us the power to choose another path, to put that vision and energy into language, to speak it into existence, to attract others, other pilgrims looking for joy, love and light, a positive path forward and help each other on that journey. I could go on for hours just about that. Um, if you haven't read Sapiens, it's an amazing book about how humans develop these big brains we have how we developed this ability to use language uniquely. We can organize not just in tribes of 50 or 100 like chimpanzees. We can organize in tribes and nations of, of tens of thousands and millions and literally over a billion people because of the stories and the way that we communicate, because the way we use that cerebral cortex and we don't just react to things that happen around us. You know, events occur, phenomena occurs. We have a choice in how we want to experience the stories we tell about it and what that actually means, how we give life meaning and purpose. Um, you know, it's okay to be stuck in a dark place and have dark thoughts. It happens to all of us. That is normal. We all do. It's okay to be scared, to have anxiety, and to get depressed. It's okay. It's just not okay to stay there. It's critical to become aware of those feelings and recognize that those feelings are not us. They are a response to what is happening that isn't the only choice. Um, we can choose to speak another path into existence, to meditate another path into existence, to get help from a doctor, from friends, to change the chemistry, to change our brains and to do it, to, to choose a different path, to say to ourselves and others, I feel terrible. This situation scares me. I wish I had done more, et cetera, but that isn't who I am or where I'm headed. I am capable of feeling great. I will overcome this situation. I am brave. I am strong. I am capable. And I will do these things today to start changing the direction of my life. And then speak that list that you actually want into existence. The same questions shape my day every single day. This is where I am. What do I want? Uh, what can I do today to move my life in the direction that I want it to go? Who do I need on my team to help me get there? Where will I find them? How can I add enough value to their life in a way that matters to them, in a way that wakes them want to join my team and, and so that we can do this together? What does that plan look like? Am I getting it done today? You know, one of my favorite examples of this recently is with our team in Mexico. Um, when I came into this business almost two years ago, uh, Mexico was not doing well as a business. Uh, conversations were, should we keep it or should we close it? And uh, Mark Pentecost said to me that we had some great leaders in Mexico and I should go meet them and we should figure out a path forward if we have one. And so I did. I, I reached out to uh, Rodrigo Arvide and, and Alejandro Baer and Jasmine Moreno. And we had a lot of conversations and I give our finance team a lot of credit for this. You know, Jerry Ogle, Hendrik quote, uh, you know, really helped us pull together a new plan for Mexico that worked for their market in their language 
the way people spend money there, the way people are used to buying things there, things there and not just based on our American method. And we put a new plan together and we put a new program together that they wanted and they could execute. And the first time I flew down there, I sort of had to break protocol at the company. We had a travel ban going on at the time. And uh, it said to Mark, I said, hey, do you know I'm going to Mexico next week? And he looked at me, he said, what? You know, in a really fun way. And I, I said, well, I'm either going on vacation or I'm going for work, but I need to go. And he laughed and, and we agreed that I could go. Um, but, you know, I, I got to Mexico and I landed. I'd never met Rodrigo or Alejandro in person or, or Jasmine. And, and I got into Rodrigo's minivan at the airport in, uh, I think it was Guadalajara. And um, never met these guys. Get in the minivan. We're talking a little bit. Finally, I said, uh, I said so what's the plan? And they looked at me and, and Rodrigo, you know, big eyes. And Rodrigo goes, I thought you had the plan. And I said, I've got lots of plans, but those are my plans. What's your plan? What's your plan for Mexico? What are you going to own here? And how can I support you? Because that is how we will get this done. I can't get it done. I, I can't fix Mexico, but we can. We can do this together if you want to. And if it's your plan, and if you're going to own it, and if I can help you by supporting you. Partnership is everything. Partnership is the key. Mexico now is growing, still growing over, over almost 500%, fastest growing market in our, in our business and uh, quickly becoming one of our top markets. Um, it's created some challenges, supply chain challenges, and all sorts of, all sorts of fun problems to have. But I use that example because we can change who we are. We can change what we have. We can change where we're going if we do it as a team, if we do it together, if we decide what we want. And if we use those big brains of ours to focus on the solution rather than the problem, we can all do this together. Thank you so much for listening to the Kick Aspirational podcast today. I'm Dave Vanderveen, and I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear. Um, what you're working on, what you're doing, and how I can help you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining another episode of the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, the most important thing to remember is this is not a spectator sport. What I'm deeply interested in is hearing about your stories and answering your questions. What does your life look like? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the barriers that you're trying to break through? Because at the end of the day, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is about helping people break through barriers of their own. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to join you in your battles. And most importantly, whatever you do today, please, among all other things, be Kick Aspirational. Kick Aspirational.